Welcome back to this week's episode of Rising Giants with your host, Max and Dom, chatting with the boldest and most inspiring entrepreneurs and investors in the highest potential markets of Southeast Asia. The journey begins in Cambodia. On this week's episode of Rising Giants, we welcome Impact Hub Pen on Pen's Director of Entrepreneurship and Innovation, Melanie Massard, this week on the show. Melanie arrived in Cambodia in 2015 when the incubation startup ecosystem was very nascent in Cambodia. Since then, she has risen to lead Impact Hub in Cambodia, the oldest and most prolific startup incubator in the country, where she is currently the Director of Entrepreneurship and Innovation. In the episode, we dive into Melanie's unwavering passion for planting entrepreneurial seeds in the minds of the youth and the power of social entrepreneurship and social innovation to shape new economic models for society. Before we begin, we do have a quick plug, and that's to join our Rising Giants newsletter community on Substack. Every two weeks, we drop one of the most informational newsletter in the Mekong by recapping the most recent Rising Giants episodes, highlights of venture capital deals closing in Southeast Asia, regional startup news to keep you up to speed with a fast-moving world, thought-provoking links we really liked, and even job opportunities for those located in Cambodia. You can also find us on Instagram at Rising Giants FM if you want to get in touch with Max and Dom for just about anything. Thanks, everyone. And now back to Melanie. Melanie, thank you so much for coming on to this week's episode of Rising Giants. Max and I are very excited to have you on the show, and we're really excited to listen to your journey as well as learn a lot more about Impact Hub and to be able to share to our audience all of the exciting things that you guys are working on. Uh, to get started, we actually would like to ask you a curveball question, and that would be if you were given a billion dollars tomorrow, how exactly would you spend it? Okay, so thank you first for having me today. Very, I'm really happy to hear that there is such a podcast in Cambodia. It's such a great initiative uh, to showcase like all the great people uh, in the ecosystem. Um, so, okay, so this is a question that, yeah, <laughs> I could do so many things with $1 billion. Uh, the first thing for me is building a school, like a new generation school, I would say, a kind of like a university that will be in the mountain, made out of bamboo, all made out of bamboo. And this is the place where we're going to teach the new generation of like change makers of Cambodia and in the world. And uh, actually, I have already my curriculum ready. This is my 10 years goal. <laughs> so if anyone is listening and want to invest in this idea, please contact me. Uh, but because I really believe that education is really what's going to change the world. And in countries like in emerging markets like Cambodia, I think that young people of a generation that are going to make it are going to break it. <laughs> so like the more we equip them to to be ready for the future to all the new challenges that we're going to face, like the social issue, the environmental issue. If we can really build up this mindset, entrepreneurial mindset, um, from like with a very, I would say, curated curriculum that is really hands-on and very inspiring as well. Like, I think it will be so good. And uh, the last thing I want to say is I will like the pillar of my curriculum will be around uh, uh, regenerative agriculture because I'm really interested in agriculture and I can tell you why later. 
And another one is more on yeah, sustainable production and consumption around like environmental uh, solutions and uh, like really about also like having more caring individuals who care for other people and can also like reduce inequalities. So really investing in building these schools to be like a worldwide known school that will attract uh, not exactly the best talents, but at the end of the day, they will become the best talents. So it's That's... helping young people who will flourish into great people. That's... And this is gonna be a good accelerator for change, I think. It's very, very exciting and a very creative thought as well. I mean, having an, an eco school with all of those pillars would set an amazing foundation. And and for all the investors listening out there, please uh, contact Melanie after the show and uh, get in touch because that's a that's a very great idea. So this um, is my ten years goal. So <laughs> I will make it happen. Uh, that's that's great. So I think just to transition to to more about your background and learning about your journey. Could you talk to us about how you got to where you are today at Impact Hub and um, maybe just a, a quick background about your, your career to date so far? Sure. So, so first I grew up in a very rural area in France where actually my, um, my father is a farmer, my mother is a social worker. And uh, soon when I was a kid, I didn't speak in English. I didn't <laughs> know how to speak any language. I was in my small bubble in the countryside of France. France. And then I, then I went to university in the north of France and one of a very good university and called Yeseg. And I really like this university opened my world basically I was like wow actually it's possible to do things that are meaningful uh, it's possible to bring entrepreneurship and impact at the same time it's possible to yeah do business and have an impact at the same time and also it was possible to make friends with people from other nationalities and and this was like really eye-opening for me uh, I went to study in Peru, um, my third year bachelor, and then this is like where also I got to know more like the potential on emerging markets. I was like very, like, like I love the, the energy that is happening there, and I also work a bit in Colombia for a startup there that was more in the hospitality industry. And then when I came back to France to do my master, I actually decided to choose a major in entrepreneurship. And this was such a, like, I love the energy, basically. Like, I, I love people who don't just talk, but do. <laughs> and then, like, make things happen, create a change. And, um, and then I decided that this will be my career. And... This is actually how actually one of my friends told me about Impact Hub and I then did a bit of research and I was like, oh, this seems very interesting. So I decided to apply to all the Impact Hub around the world. Back then there were maybe around 60. So I just sent a kind of a 
original spontaneous application to everyone. And then I went to sleep. And the next day, I received a message from Impact Up Phnom Penh. And I was like, oh my God, where did I send my email? I don't know the city. <laughs> and then they told me, oh yeah, we are very interested in learning from you. And yeah, seeing what we can do together. And back then, actually, Impact Up just got started like two months before I arrived. So basically, they didn't have any money. And they say, okay, if you want to come, come and we can try things out together. And I say, okay, maybe actually, if I go there as a volunteer, I will spend maybe as much if I stay working in Paris as an intern. So I better go in Cambodia. It sounds more exciting. And yeah, I came here without knowing anything. I was supposed to stay six months. And here I am six years later. Actually, this is my first job and my only job I had. Uh, so I have no background of entrepreneurship from any other ecosystem before. So I basically, I learned everything in Cambodia through a lot of like meeting and observation and research and finally here I am today six years later uh, now leading Impact Up. Wow that is an absolutely incredible journey and you've you know gone all around the world to to learn and work in the entire startup and entrepreneurship ecosystem and I think what I what would be really interesting to hear is what made you want to leave your home country to settle full time abroad in Cambodia? Was it just the job opportunity or was there something a little bit more there? Yeah, I think first, uh, like I love surrounding, I love being surrounding by young people because it's much more like things are more possible, I will say. Uh, like for me, I like for like for example, in the case of Cambodia, I'm fascinated by the demographics. Like the fact that 68% of our population is under 30 years old. Like this for me is so fascinating. Basically, yeah, we have 10 years to transform a generation. Like this generation, we're gonna grow up right now, gonna be the one building the culture the country and I'm really like I feel like all the people I'm meeting here are pioneers in their own ecosystem and I feel like in other countries like France for me it's like things are already done in so many ways <laughs> and I feel like it's less exciting for me so I, I, I prefer being in a place where it's a bit of a mess and then there is like a lot of opportunities a lot of, of problems to solve and and this is where we can see also some of the biggest systematic change even uh, happening and um, so yeah for this reason I found it really nice to be here and also I love being in a small country because in, in a small country where like 15 million people is so good to like it's so easy to connect the dots it's so easy to know everyone in the ecosystem to see uh, okay what can be done like who is doing what and then uh, to explore collaboration uh, while actually sometimes in bigger country when there is a lot of things already happening it's hard to 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 mobilize people but uh, yeah so for this reason, that's why I, I really love Cambodia. And uh, 
for the young people and for the size of the country. <laughs> yeah, and especially coming to the country six years ago as well. I mean, that is a very much a uh, a transition, especially in this ecosystem, to see. Mm -hmm. And it would it would be great to learn a little bit about from your perspective what the ecosystem was like when you first arrived to Cambodia yeah so yes yeah, so actually I asked myself this question um because actually to graduate I had to do to write a thesis and my thesis was on the growing startup ecosystem in Cambodia and when you do a thesis for university, you need to have like literature review and everything. You need to have a lot of document to, to base your research on. And I realized there is nothing. <laughs> so there was no, really, there is no paper written or anything about Cambodia. And I was like, oh my God. So I have to start from scratch, basically. So I started doing a lot of interview. I spent actually a lot of time with Riti. Riti, I would say, he was my mentor. My like, he taught me everything. I would say about what was existing in Cambodia in the ecosystem. Because back then, like Small One was the main actor, and. Um, and yeah, like they were only small world, like a few co-working space and yeah, development innovation also. And us and she investment, we started at the same time. So yeah, and so I did this research. I did a lot of observation. I started also like learning Khmer. I was spending all my weekend <laughs> joining events in Khmer, trying to understand, trying to meet people. Like also I, I, I spent a lot of time like going at the places of our entrepreneurs, like their family, like in the countryside and trying also to understand like why are they entrepreneurs right now? Like what's the aspiration, what's the struggle? I spend uh, yeah a lot of my weekend, my evening, my nights, and to just like observe, research, learn, uh, and at the end of the day, yeah, I I found like very something happening, but it's very emerging. Very some like I see some people who are like some a few pioneer that are like emerging, and I think the main I think the big moment for me was when I was invited to go to the, it was the ASEAN Center of Entrepreneurship in Malaysia back then. And they asked us to come here as, there as a representative, as a Cambodian startup ecosystem. And I was like only 23 years old. And I was like, oh my God, I'm representing Cambodia. <laughs> it's so crazy. Like, I don't know, I've been there for two years but I didn't I know a lot of things but there were no one else you know like to be there and then like they asked like can you bring someone from your government and I tried so hard to find someone like no one cares <laughs> like oh my god it was so hard to find someone I finally find a, an officer who was also like interested but not so much like leadership and now I see so many people in the government interested in it and they were like oh this is good there is a change happening <laughs> but back then so hard and then when we went there like we could hear 
how Malaysia was developing the ecosystem, how Thailand was developing the ecosystem, how Vietnam was doing it, like starting doing it. And I was like, wow, this is actually what it could look like if like there is a proper ecosystem happening, if there is some actors and everything. Because they were asking like, so so what's happening in Cambodia? So I was like, uh, so we have a small incubator, and that's it. It's <laughs> like, so how many entrep- VC is there? I'm like, uh, I don't think we have any. <laughs> like so, so it was like really, uh, like I could see what it looked like like five years from now, and this is actually what's happening right now. But yeah, it seems so far away, and it seems so impossible to reach at the time. And now I'm so happy to see how it evolved, and yeah, it's just an exponential growth actually what's happening in the ecosystem wow that is so exciting too i mean especially with being 23 years old i mean that is that i I, when i'm thinking about myself at 23 years old and i have to go and find a government official to be to help be a representative at at a very large conference and be able to you know be able to to try and explain how cambodia is going to be this thriving you know ecosystem it's it's such a it's such an exciting opportunity and I'm sure it was, uh, it, it was definitely something that helped you grow as well. Yeah. And to be honest, I was like a bit like, to be honest, I had a long time kind of imposter syndrome. I was like, oh my God, like who I am to do this. <laughs> but then I, soon I realized, like, I was like, okay, how can I, like, I was like, okay, what is my strength? And okay, I'm not Cambodian but I love Cambodia. I think I can understand well, like some of the Western perspective. And because I also spend so much time in the countryside in spending time with entrepreneurs, like really observing, really listening, I'm able to kind of like make a kind of an analysis of what's happening and share it to the world. And I found also that, yeah, like being young is also something that, make entrepreneurs connect with you very easily, share anything with you. So I was like, okay, this is maybe something good. And then I like, so I finally start slowly seeing a bit of like, okay, why I'm here and how can I bring value to this ecosystem? But back then also, one of my strategy was never actually to speak about how small our ecosystem was, but more about how fast growing our ecosystem was. I was I'm always saying, like, I think there's no point of saying there is like five entrepreneurs <laughs> like back then in the country, but it's more like, okay, it's definitely a topic that has growing interest and that has a more and more like potential and more talking about the demographics, more talking about like um, all the industries of opportunities. And, and this is actually what makes people interested in Cambodia and I hope yeah this is what led to what it is right now and I think like my approach is always like speaking about the future so that it happened instead of saying like what's wrong right now in our ecosystem yeah it's yeah it's always about bringing the the idea of opportunity and positivity that's always uh, that's always what you want to bring and and before we dive into impact hub uh, there's something that would be um, that you mentioned earlier, and it was that you had re- worked with several entrepreneurs and uh, pioneers from Cambodia. Mm-hmm. And 
it would be interesting to hear about what other entrepreneurs or pioneers that you looked up to for advice and guidance, especially in those early days. Yes. Uh, yeah, there is three of them who really inspire me a lot uh, at the really beginning of Impact Hub. So the first one is Kong Ni, Kong Ni Hav, who is actually the founder of My Dream Home. Uh, so My Dream Home, um, let me tell you his story because it's, it's quite fascinating. So he actually had a motorbike accident one day and he got saved, like rescued by some garment workers who were living in a very like poor area where like the house was not really proper and when he woke up, he was like, oh my God, these people saved my life. They have nothing, but they still have like some very, like they are so nice to save me and rescue me. And but and it's so unfair that these nice people live in such a bad housing. And so he decided that he will do something for Cambodia so that everybody could live in a proper, decent house. So then what he did is like, he searched on YouTube and he actually found a way to make houses in a cheaper way and actually more eco-friendly way by creating what they call like Lego bricks. So basically he found some, yeah, some businesses in India doing this and he was like, okay, I don't have any background in engineering. I don't have any background in, in construction, but maybe I can make it happen. So he went to Australia picking some fruits, <laughs> make some money, and then he came back and then he started his business. And then actually he was the first Cambodian entrepreneurs we supported at Impact Hub. And, um, and he was like, so he's so passionate about the problem he wants to solve. And he's so like resilient because it was not easy at all, like uh, yeah, six years ago to get started with his business. And, uh, and actually, yeah, it started like a proper business of manufacturing of bricks, but actually the bricks are, are like compressed and have a form of a Lego. They are not cooked, so you don't have to burn charcoal or anything. And so it's more eco-friendly. And then also it's much more easy to, to build than the other bricks because it's like it's interlocking bricks. So you don't have to, it goes actually two or three times faster than traditional bricks. And so it's really a great innovation of a product. And um, I really like his kindness, his passion for a problem he wants to solve, his resilience were like big inspiration for me. And uh, another entrepreneur I really look up to is Riti. And I think is, as I said, like in the early days of Impact Hub, it was really like my kind of mentor telling me all of the things you have done with Small World, things that were right, that the mistakes, the opportunities. And yeah, it was really big inspiration for me in understanding also how we can shape the future of Impact Hub. And also first, like I really love is crazy dreams because like, I think it pushed me to think bigger and uh, it's such a stimulating things to be surrounded by this kind of people. And the third one is Afnan, 
I don't think you had him in your podcast, the founder of Okra Solar. Not yet. <laughs> if it is like, oh my God, like so incredible. I love his, he has, yeah, he's a true entrepreneur and like same, like he's so nice. He can connect with anyone and he's so good at like bringing people with him in believing in his big dream. And I, I love this kind of personality and um, yeah, the same, like, like for with him, with Afnan, we spent, we spent some time, like some morning where we're like, okay, so if we had $100 million, how can we change agriculture? <laughs> then we just, <laughs> we just brainstormed together and it's so exciting. And then we do, okay, if we have 50K, if we have 100K, if we have 1 billion, what do we do? And I, I love this kind of like conversation because uh, it's so triggering. It really makes you think about new opportunities and, and uh, yeah, like these three people are big inspiration for me. <laughs> Thank you for um, telling us that. If you could just give um, some of the audience that maybe aren't aware of um, what Impact Hub is up to today, if you could just give us a bit of a, a framing of how your how your current efforts differ to like some of the early days. So you said you're you're okay. you're supporting like the, how how many entrepreneurs you're supporting and, and that kind of thing. Sure. Um, so a bit of background. So what is Impact Hub? So Impact Hub it's a it's a place where we inspire connect and enable uh, I would say the new generation of Cambodian change makers by developing their entrepreneurial mindsets or leadership mindsets so leadership skills so um, what is really important yeah for us is really like we are really at the early stage of the journey, I would say, like putting the first seeds in the mind of uh, individuals. Um, we like, <laughs> if I can use this kind of metaphor, like let's say we are kind of gardeners and we are like planting a lot of seeds uh, of uh, like entrepreneurs or like people with entrepreneurial mindset who will use these skills to solve Cambodia's pressing issues. And um, actually, I realized over the years that we are actually if doing four main things, our approach of like making, I would say, a change. So I'm still, I'm going to still using, still use the, the metaphor of the garden because I really love it. So we have four strategies. The first one is, I would say, mass planting, mass seedling. <laughs> so this is like a way for us to make our like course accessible, like our methodology accessible for the more people, as many people as possible. And this is why we actually started our online learning platform where we are now developing different courses and now master classes as well, uh, where we invite some experts to share some of their knowledge. And uh, so we have like a few classes online and now we have more than like, I think uh, 3000 learners on them, on this uh, online platform. And 
another approach in using this, I would say, mass seedling. So we basically, we spread our knowledge out there. We don't know how people are going to react, how they're going to take it, but we hope it's going to grow somehow. And the other approach is we would like to develop like a series of books and kind of like um, booklets that can be guiding also uh, early stage entrepreneurs in their journey. So we are working on this right now. Then the second strategy is more, I would say, like focused gar gardening. So this requires, I would say, more money, more people, and more energy on our team. So we develop some programs to support entrepreneurs at different stages of their journey. We have programs to go from an idea to a prototype. Then we have programs that go from a prototype to early operation. And then we have also a few programs that are like early operation to scaling up. But I would say majority of our program, it's more ideas to prototype or prototype to early operation. And, um, and this is the way where we like then develop more our programs related to, yeah, like helping them strengthening their business we provide them mentoring, we provide access to finance, like access to finance actually for us, it's more like the first prototyping fund that will have them test the idea. So it's more like grant money than investment. And so far actually we provided, we gave away around $500,000 to 91 startups over the past years and we have a, I would say a survival rate of around 60% among the ones who get this money and then the bigger like so far we actually supported more than 360 teams of entrepreneurs and the survival rate is around 35% um, among them and the people we are actually supporting are mostly actually entrepreneurs that are like in their 20s, they are not yet married, <laughs> and they are like usually young people who just graduate who are exploring this sector and who have brilliant ideas and who are not super, I would say, mature in terms of their professional experience, but they have the the great energy and the mindset and then um, they are mostly also coming from the province like 70 percent of them and um, yes actually what else i want to say okay. yeah so yeah, yeah this is like our another approach of doing this and just and the last two part if i use a garden another part is more like training of gardeners <laughs> so this is actually uh, when we train new people who can do our job so this is what we are doing with our strategy of PUM impact so now we have PUM impact in the provinces in Siamweb and Batamong and they are doing also the same program as us in the province and also training like teachers and a new generation of teachers to train entrepreneurship in the universities and now we have actually more than 10 universities with who we are partnering with where we provide them an entrepreneurship curriculum, like accredited entrepreneurship curriculum. 
And the last last pillar of what we do is more like regener like investing in the soil. <laughs> so the soil of this ecosystem basically it's all this like policy making advocacy to have a more like friendly ecosystem for startups and make it easier for businesses to start, stop and grow a business in company. Okay. Thank, yeah, thank you for giving us that explanation. And you mentioned the survival rate. Um, yeah. Maybe just going into that a bit more in detail. Like, what 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 are what are some of the success stories that come out of those survivors that, that you're really particularly um, excited to share? Yeah, I think like the best success story is like one of the first entrepreneurs we supported. Uh, so Ademi, uh, so Van from Ademi. So we are doing um, learning management learning management systems and also like some an app called testopi where they are they created uh like like an app that help grade 12 students like get ready for the back the their grade 12 exams to actually after go to universities and this is usually like one of a very key like when people fail their exam and grade 12 ever they stop studying or ever they continue in university and this can be life-changing forever so it's really important what they are doing and the approach is really like to to help students have these more like self-learning habits and uh, can be more ready to this exam and actually yeah they are doing like it's amazing like they really have like they're really good in like providing very good educational content very easy to understand very interactive and and uh, yeah like providing this new way of learning so really love them and the good thing also is they are the ones who actually building our platform for our online course and also for the course that we are doing with all the universities uh, so like we are so happy to have them as our partners right now and we're actually the ones like building uh, helping us achieve our goals and that we can actually pay them to do it and, and be our customer so yeah we are really yeah I think it's a like pretty good success story this one mm. and, and in all your time uh, working with all these entrepreneurs and change makers, mm -hmm. what, what what have you identified as like the key characteristic in these founders that that does keep them um, uh, surviving and su succeeding? Yeah, so I think a few things. First, they have the right, like they have the right attitude like they, they are very passionate people they usually like they are very connected to the problem they want to solve because they were maybe they saw it happening it happened to them when they were younger maybe they saw it happening for their people around them and they really want to be the one like the change they want to see in the world in somehow and so I think yes so these people like they all have like 
sparkling eyes when they talk about the problem they are solving and like how they're going to do it and like we can see in their face that they're gonna it's gonna be committed people I would say um, another thing is they have the capacity to yeah mobilize people around them make them believe in their vision and and build a strong team like this is usually the hardest thing to do team drama happens so often and uh, it's hard to actually like overcome it when it's happening so choosing the right team is really important and uh, yeah they have such a, a resilience that I think like Cambodian entrepreneurs have like for me has sometimes I feel like they deserve even more respect than any other entrepreneurs in the world because like it's so hard there's so many system like structural barriers in this ecosystem and they still manage to make it and uh, I feel like they really have like what so you, hard sometimes to access to finance to access to information mm. to access to yeah. so many things so like yeah <laughs> they have uh, even more like uh, okay I was, just, yeah, I was just gonna ask a follow-up question on that like what what you think these um the key structural barriers are but I think you you just followed up and mentioned about um the access to finance access to information mm -hmm. are there any others that that you see as like um big big roadblocks for um some of the founders that you've you've dealt with yeah like access to information like is so I feel like access to information in Cambodia is like Facebook based. <laughs> you post on your Facebook, it's like, do you know if <laughs> where I can find these paper bags? <laughs> like, like people like the way they find the suppliers, the way they find like the information sometimes is like very yeah, an investigation in itself, like that we have to hide, like to to go and hunt for this information. And um, so, yeah, access to information is, is quite hard. Like, if I can also explain a bit more about the access to finance part, it's like me, I'm not actually talking about investments. I'm talking to the first $10,000 that's going to help them validate their business ideas. And as I told you, like, the people we are helping are around their 20s, they don't have a lot of personal capital. They didn't maybe work a lot. Uh, they don't have a lot of saving from the pr previous work experience. And they can't access to a loan because they are not registered and it will not make sense. Um, they Actually, there is no... They can't access to the crowdfunding platform because Stripe, it doesn't allow Cambodian bank account to receive some money. So... Well, actually, uh, yeah, wait, that's that's an interesting that's an interesting point. I, I didn't I wasn't actually aware of that. So so you, when you say crowdfunding, you mean like all global crowdfunding platforms? Yeah, or? yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, exactly. So for example, Indiegogo, uh, Kickstarter, all of these things, even like GoFundMe, they are using Stripe to uh, actually like transfer the money, and yeah. actually Stripe doesn't allow Cambodian bank account to receive money, so you can oh, wow. pay with your Cambodian bank account, but you cannot receive money, which makes it very complicated to use this kind of platform uh, and receive money from international people. Do you think, that, in the people. Do you think yeah. that could change? You hear anything on that? 
Yeah, like we started the discussion, but I think it's like, like, unless I, I think we, there is something to do with it because for now, Cambodia is a country where it's not the priority country at all. Like all these small countries is considered as like, okay, not so much a priority. So if we show that there is things happening here and that is a market that is, it's like something to be done here, like the big tech companies could start like having a bit more inten- like attention to, to the countries. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a big thing. Like I, I try to understand like what is the, who is the decision maker in this, uh, but I still don't really. So just, just following up on that, do you think that do you think that gives more reason for why there should be a, a crowdfunding platform in Cambodia? Yeah. So because I think also what is happening at the same time is that now in Cambodia, everything, most of the transactions are done through ABAP. And I found it very fascinating. And a lot of like some of the um, like people, some of the entrepreneurs I know, sometimes they actually raise a bit of money through ABA pay by saying, okay, I'm, this is my ABA bank account. If you believe in me, you can give me some money. And I think uh, this is something that can be really interesting to explore with this. Uh, and especially I want to say something like there is, I see also people who really want to support the ecosystem, like individual people who maybe want to give a bit of their salary to actually give away to some entrepreneurs to do something. And this is something that we are actually also exploring with she investment on like maybe having a kind of a, a fund, a crowdfunding fund where individual people like you or like would like to give maybe, I don't know, like 1% of your salary to the development of ecosystem could bring to this fund. And then like people like she investment, like us, like then can meet up once a month and decide on like who are the entrepreneurs that are most promising and will benefit from having maybe like $10,000 to buy the first machinery, to test the product, to actually like, yeah, start like hiring a like a marketing person and start like making some sales to actually properly get started with a business because so many of entrepreneurs I see fail because they don't have not just it's not about the capital is to hire people who will actually be able to get also started with a business and yeah it's so frustrated for me to see Sometimes like entrepreneurs who are making, like who had to open a food shop to sell vegetables to make a bit more money so that they can actually have money to actually reinvest in the startup. For example, like this happens sometimes and I'm like, oh my God, like if this time was invested in actually just working on the business, it would be much better, you know, Um, and they will be like able to make progress faster. So Yes, there is something to do with like, if we, if we want to have a big investment ready in the next five years, we must invest in the first part of the pipeline. This like five, 10K grant 
like five twenty like five to twenty k grants that will actually give them enough capital to get started with the idea and be focused on it. Mm, okay, yeah, I think that's a really interesting idea. Dom and I did, uh, discussed that a lot with 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 some of the guests, and it's um it's this, this missing middle, right? There's the VCs mm -hmm. that don't do anything for much less than a hundred, and then yeah. and then there's that um that lower stage which is which is trying to be filled but but there's mm -hmm. not there's not really small checks being uh, written in that like less than 50k range and so i think yeah. crowdfunding and a proper maybe a proper angel investment network um yeah. could could, yeah, could but, work yeah but sometime i would say like at this stage when they are so young uh not so young but so uh like uh, the, the market is so not validated at all sometimes it's a bit hard to convince even angel investors and it's also a lot of pressure sometimes well actually like sometimes it's gonna work sometimes it's gonna fail and it's okay but if we don't try we don't know <laughs> so also like having this more like grand money it's more like more freedom to test out things uh, and uh, yeah to have like because sometimes if you have an angel investor behind you you have a lot of pressure and sometimes it's not so healthy and so it's have to be some like there is a I think angel investors should come in when they have and where there's already some traction and some operation already in place um, and that the business owner is quite confident about like okay, but he has a vision for a future because sometimes at the beginning, you just don't have this. And, and uh, yeah, it takes, it takes a bit of time. <laughs> okay, yeah, no, I, I think I understand what you're saying is that you, in, in, your, in your scenario, it'd be a, it would be a grant fund for, for the yeah. earlier stage um, yeah. entrepreneurs that, you, that you've identified along with uh, some of yeah. your partners that you think are yeah. the most um, exciting. Yes. Mm-hmm. And what does the regulation look like on something like that? Is, it, is that something that's quite easily done? Yeah, actually, it's quite complicated. And we just had a call uh, last week uh, to try to figure out this. Apparently, there is a crowdfunding license existing in Cambodia, but it doesn't, it's not actually crowdfunding. <laughs> it's actually, the crowdfunding license, it's only for investment purpose. It's not actually for grant purpose so there is something to advocate that we're gonna focus on or so um, and yeah hopefully we can make some change regarding to this because the current way also for you to understand is for us whenever we give money to the entrepreneurs in Cambodia actually there is no proper statue for us like we actually like like the, the legal way actually to declare this we are telling the tax department that they are like consultant building startup for us which doesn't make sense but this is the only thing that will make sense for them <laughs> because this is another big topic is like there is no proper status for us like the entrepreneurship support organization and in this case like it makes it very complicated to give money to our entrepreneurs. So this is what we are currently doing, but we have first to pay 10% taxes on the money we receive and then paid 15% uh, 
taxes on the money we give away. So a lot of money is lost while it's just like a transfer of money from them for them to get like this first grant funding to, to get started. And uh, this is really something that we would love to, to see changing in the future. And we, uh, yeah, we are kind of like exploring this also with the investment of like, how can we make it easier to access to finance on this way, more in the legal part as well. Wow, that's incredible. So it's basically like a 25% haircut off of any money that's, that's pretty much being received for grant funding. Yes. And yeah, it's a bit unfair. <laughs> so when we see where the money actually is going, it's like actually quite meaningful and can really contribute to the growth of Cambodia. But yeah. So yeah, like I, I think this is something that I really really want to advocate more on this and try to find a way and this I would say going to be our kind of battle in the next two three years to see what can be done on this okay and I also just wanted to ask you what you said you mentioned about agriculture and how you're excited about that sector mm. what are some of the other sectors you're excited about yeah actually so in fact we have a few sectors that we are very excited about so um agriculture and food processing and on this also again uh, there is something that is missing because food processing require investment in quite expensive expensive machinery and sometimes when you want to test recipes and test like small batch production it's quite uh, yeah it's, it's actually quite hard to do this so what we would like to see also like a project that we would like to to work on in the next uh, three years is the creation of a kitchen hub so this was already done by impact hub in yangon which is basically a maker space for food entrepreneurs where they will have access to a shared kitchen where they, like we shared like food processing machinery and um, have some like food uh, experts in-house who could help them like develop recipes and develop like uh, great products. And uh, so, yeah, this is something that we are like exploring and, and considering. So if anyone is listening to us and believe in these ideas, please contact me as well. <laughs> um, so we have, yeah, all the plan set. And then other industries that we see very promising is more like around circular economy. Like how can we transform waste to new resources? How, how can we create more like circular way of producing products? Um, so this is something, yeah, we, we, we like to see more of and also sustainable tourism. So yes, we saw like I would say the four pillar that will be like our next topics where we want to focus on. And also another one like smart and sustainable cities. Like this is like really the pillars where we want to see more innovation happening. And where also we want to build more our expertise in and our like network in and to see how we can like bring more innovation in these sectors. Okay, and um, you, we, we mentioned about the investors that, that you've worked with in the market. I wondered, um, just in general, how do you see um, impact investing as, as, a, as a sec, like as a, 
as a branch mm. of investing, developing in, in Cambodia? And are you, are you more and more going to be working with those types of investors slash are you seeing more of them come to yeah. Cambodia and be interested in the deals here? Yeah, and actually, so impact investment, impact investing for me, um, I would say like in the future, I will see a new kind of impact investing, which is crowd equity investing. And I would love to see it more happening in Cambodia. Like there is platform like Lita, like so we found in Europe that are currently emerging that allows anyone to be an investor in a company they believe in. And I found this approach very interesting and sometimes maybe maybe even more relevant for small companies that don't have uh, like crazy exit dreams of like and scale up dreams, I would say like, but still want to remain small, but still need some capital. So, like, I see a very big untapped potential in, like, using this approach to also, like, fundraise for, like, impact-driven businesses. For example, like, last week, I just invested in a company in France, but I decided to invest in only, like, it's only $500. Like, anyone can invest. The minimum amount you can invest is $100. And then like they have a goal of 500K and they crowdsource from a big group of people. So I think this has maybe a potential also for Cambodia. And I would love to see this kind of like platform already like like start, like like this kind of platform start coming to Cambodia as well. Okay. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I do think that's a trend that's going on globally. It's just the democratization of, um, you know, yeah. access to um, startups to, to invest in. But but in yeah, yeah in, in uh, Cambodia, there's there's not too many platforms that allow people to do that right now. So it's a it's a no. big opportunity yeah. to yeah to explore. Yes. And um, just just final question on on this topic. Um, what is your kind of vision in the next five to 10 years? Like, how do you, how do you see the sector um, looking in, you know, that far down the line? Mm. So first, I think, as I said, like now, the focus should be a lot in education, uh, in building this entrepreneurial mindset, this ability to actually like look at the problem, not as something that, someone else can take care of or the government can take care of but more from a way of like what can I do to solve this problem what frustrates me and what can I do to solve it so really like having this kind of mindset uh, spread among like youth and also so like five years from now like all this new generation will I would say be more grown up and have some great ideas for Cambodia. And I think another trend I see, maybe others, I think a lot of like Cambodian abroad, who actually the second generation of refugees who grew up in abroad and now are very curious of coming back to Cambodia and like to see what they can do to contribute to Cambodia. And I think if you are listening to us, please come back. <laughs> we need your talents. We need your network. And... Um, this is so 
like, like I see like a lot of potential in the diaspora of Cambodians living abroad uh, in bringing new perspective for Cambodia. And finally, I see also, yeah, more, it's going to be, I hope it's going to be easier to do business. I hope it's going to be easier to access to information. I hope also there will be, yeah, more like, like where we see like the seeds will have grown into beautiful small trees <laughs> and that like startups will be like make, creating new jobs and that working for a startup will become something cool and nice and uh, not just we're not going just we will not just have a new generation of entrepreneurs but we will also have a new generation of like people who want to work for our startups couldn't agree more and it really feels as if in Cambodia we're on the cusp of this of this next stage of innovation lots of excitement around entrepreneurship and really the next five to 10 years are going to be very, very exciting. So um, I'm sure Impact Hub is going to have a lot of, a lot of play in that too. So really excited to see how that, how that plays out. Um, as we transition to our last section of the interview, um, we would really like to learn a little bit more about habits and advice that you have come to live by and have received over, over the years of your career. And I think a great place to start with that would be if you could tell us about some of the habits that you install in yourself to help you keep uh, motivated or self-accountable. Okay, okay, give me 10 seconds. I need to turn my meeting button a bit late. <laughs> oh sorry about that yeah we should have probably we should have no asked worries. you beforehand <laughs> no. well uh yeah we we're, we're right there at the end so we'll, okay, okay, uh, yeah, yeah 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 yes i just tell them maybe like 15 minutes more yeah yeah well yeah, yeah another 10 yeah. minutes i think we're, 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 we'll we'll yeah. wrap it up another yeah. 10 maybe sorry 10, about 10, 10, 10, 10. <laughs> no worries, no worries. <laughs> uh, okay yeah you can just ask that question again once we uh Sure. Yeah, I'll, uh, I can just start over that section. So yes. um, as we transition into our last section of the interview, uh, it would be really great to learn about some of the habits and advice that you have installed yourself in yourself over the course of your career in life. And a great place to start would be if you could tell us a little bit about some of the habits you install in yourself to stay self-accountable and motivated. Yes, so <laughs> I will say, me, yeah, I'm very much um, a people person. So when I, I think when I have a big dream or big project in my mind, I need to share it with people that are also kind of like believers mindsets <laughs> who kind of tell me like, yeah, yeah, why not? Like this can be possible. And I think that's why, like I say, Afnan is a great person to talk with. Like, so it's my buddy to share crazy ideas. And also Neil, I don't, I think you interview him also. Neil and Afnan, they are like the best people to, <laughs> to talk with about this kind of project and also making me accountable because I say, okay, now I told them I'm going to do it. So I have to find a way to make it happen. <laughs> so like sharing ideas 
it's a great way. Um, I think also like to stay motivated, I feel like it's to talk with entrepreneurs. Like the more time I spend with entrepreneurs, the more I have ideas of like, okay, what next we should do. And as I told you, like I love meeting entrepreneurs, but not just one one meeting, but going where they live, go, like staying at their place, meeting their family, understanding the story, the struggle, like really like understanding everything. So that this is usually where all my inspiration come from and where I feel even more meaning to what we are doing currently and more like that actually realizing that wow actually uh, like investing in these people is worth it and there is so like I'm so proud of like the impact they are creating right now and and so it's yeah it's help when things get very difficult it's a good way to to keep motivated yeah really and and true to when you look about when you when you think about or let me go ahead and start that but and it's true because when you think about entrepreneurship it's it's very infectious when you are around people that are very positive and bring that opportunity and have this this way about how they approach problems and it really is this infectious side of it of, of mm-hmm. you want to you want to be a part of it and you want to pave your own mm-hmm. path too so that's it's very interesting to say that as uh, as we as we look back on your past six years of impact hub and how things have grown and and developed how have you handled adversity and doubt during that time mm-hmm. i think so running impact hub is also running a startup <laughs> like we said we have to fundraise we have to like manage a team we have to deal with clients and like we have two kind of clients our entrepreneurs and our founders and it's not easy like it's really not easy and i think uh, sometime yeah it's, it's like we almost die maybe three times like we're running out of money but we <laughs> we, we managed to go through and now we are still alive and now I think it's going to be good but oh my god <laughs> I cannot tell you all the sleepless night I have and I almost burn out two times but just before it I managed to recover for it so really important to yeah to like a lot of doubt in in all of this um process so i think yeah what keep me like under this doubt i think first is i i can pack up we are co-leading so now i'm co- before i was co-leading with uh, olivia now she left the managing director of impact up and now uh, she got replaced by nippon i'm really happy uh, to have her on our team and so sharing this leadership is really great for me like having such a relief um, to not have the pressure and the burden only on your shoulders alone uh, so share responsibility and having someone to 
to cry with or to, <laughs> to share a first doubt with. It's really important. Um, I think it's also very good to discuss with other people in the ecosystem. Like, for example, Celia have been also really helpful, like sharing our doubt and our struggle and that feeling like, okay, we are not alone to, to not like to have this struggle with some partners or some uh, maybe some of the uh, yeah, entrepreneurs. So sharing is also very important way of dealing with it. Yeah, thank you for, for telling us that. And as our traditional closing question that we like to ask each of our guests is, what is the most important piece of advice that you've ever been given? Yeah, so I would say like more um, like sometime, like more like, uh, it's like there is things you can control and things you can't control. So if something is frustrating you, like, and you can't do anything about it, stop like breaking your head around and stop like thinking like it's your fault or you cannot do something about it. But if you can do it, just do it. If it's in your power to do something, like do your best to make the change you want to see. But if you can't control it, stop blaming yourself. <laughs> No, really so, understand yeah. that too. It's, it's about the, you know, control what it is that you can't control. And, yeah. and if you can't, don't waste time or energy on yes. beating yourself up for it because, you know, there yeah. are other things that you can do and it's just always about pivoting and putting forth that effort in the right direction. Yes, exactly. Well, Melanie, thank you so much for taking the time with us today to come on to Rising Giants and tell us about your journey and as well as Impact Hub. It was a really awesome conversation and Max and I really appreciate your time. So thank you so much. Mm -hmm.